Hey, everybody. Welcome to Cloud and Clear. My very special guest today is Troy McAlpin, CEO of X Matters, a wonderful SADA customer. Been waiting to do this for a long time. So welcome to Cloud and Clear, Troy. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for having us. Excited to I be appreciate here. it. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. I'm getting to do, to record all of these with everyone's sort of home office setups and their unique, you know, personalities reflected in their in their backdrop. Right. Yeah, it's a little uh, it's it's interesting, right? It's hard to uh, to uh, you know this transition of how you would normally get to talk with customers. All of a sudden, we're inviting one another into our homes. So I, yes. there's you know it's kind of fun actually, right? Yeah, there's an element of intimacy. Side. Absolutely. See, For just sure. your background, I can tell you're, you're a dad, you're an Ace fan. Right. Uh, I see a wonderful German Shepherd top right. That probably means something. You know, all, all of that. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Yeah, that's German Shepherd Rescue. So I'll, I'll plug the German Shepherd Rescue since you brought it up. But yeah, that's something I'm involved with. Compassion Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. So uh, look, X Matters, now you've been, you know, there for as CEO eight and a half years. What I really want to find out, what our audience really enjoys is the origin story of someone like you throughout their career, kind of how they ended up in um in where they are today. And I'd love to love to sort of start with that. Yeah, I think my story is a little bit like most people's story that you start off doing one thing as you come out of college and you realize that's not really what I thought it was going to be like in the real world. So I started off originally coming out as a business and consulting uh, major and did that for a few years and I enjoyed it. And um, and then realized that I actually want to see if I can do something myself as opposed to talking about doing something, uh, which is what a lot of my consulting career ended up being. And so one of the interesting things, I guess, from that was I had learned as an efficiency expert that a lot of the challenges that I was seeing in specifically in technology organizations was just around so much friction and all the different processes that they had. And that did influence the founding of X Matters. Um, the idea was we were trying to look for opportunities to remove friction from everyone's processes and using communication technologies to do it. And when we first got started, you know, from sending a page out to a pager or uh, an alert to a WAP device, people are like, wow, how did you do that? And today, of course, that's not interesting at all. Today, it's, you know, about bringing people together and instrumenting processes to help them be more efficient and effective than they were before. No, that makes sense. I mean, your consulting experience leading you to discover a real business problem and challenge. And then the hard part is going out and having, I think, the, uh, the courage to actually form a company around that idea. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I really plan things, you know, in a really intelligent way. It was, you know, going out and doing it when my daughter was being born, my wife decided that she was going to stay at home. We had just bought our first house and we started the company all within three months. You know, so it was really good planning on my part. But, um, you know, I mean, those high risk situations bring out the best in people, right? So totally being under that pressure, I think, is what makes a great company uh, succeed or fail. And in our case, you know, it's turned out well. So. Yeah, what's that saying? We we plan and God laughs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That is very true. Yeah. yeah, I think most of our stories have some element of that definitely built in. Um, well, I'm looking at your website. I mean, you you really have a tremendous list of customers, like the who's who, uh, these amazing Fortune 500 logos and highly innovative yeah. companies, 3M, PepsiCo, Accenture, HSBC, Experian. 
BMC, uh, of course, you know, Kellogg constant, like that is, it's not easy to win those customers, but then, you know, gaining their permission to talk about them publicly, you must have a really tight relationship with them for them to, to agree to do that. Yes, that and I consume lots of Diet Pepsi. And so that is you know, equal <laughs> trade with the Pepsi organization probably. But, you know, I, I think this goes back to, um, you know, being customer focused and understanding that even though we are selling a technical product to a technical team or a technical group of people, um, it used to be that, you know, technology was slightly removed from interacting with the business. It was there as a business enabler. And in today's world, it, that's really not the case. The business runs on technology. They are so intertwined that it's not just there to make it more efficient. It, they really are completely dependent on each other. And I think, you know, our customers understand that that's our view. We're here to help their customers have a great experience with their digital services. And so those, those logos that are up there, I think are up there because number one, we've given them a great service and continue to do so. And two, I think we've done a good job of staying really well aligned with them as partners, that mm -hmm. we get it, that we succeed and fail together. Um, and if we can't help them provide a great customer experience to their customers, then you know, appropriately, we shouldn't be their partner anymore. We have to earn that over and over again. And I think our customers feel that from us. So you know, we're really proud and we've been very fortunate um, to earn those relationships with our customers. And we take them really seriously in, in what we do uh, when we're building new products and, and uh, providing a service to them. I mean, I think that's why we at Sada love the uh, cloud business, whether it's yeah. sort of the G Suite business or the GCP business. Um, it really drives a lot of the incentive alignment for um, just all the best behavior, you know, right. to enhance customer experience. We, we all feel in our relative markets that we have to earn our customers trust and earn their business sort of every day. And exactly. um, not everybody can do it well though. I think it takes a real sort of deep philosophy and, and, and commitment to customers for life. And it, it seems like you certainly have it sort of lined up there. Um, you're obviously you're in product, we're in services. I think in product what's probably very important and we see this in our lines with Google is um, Part of what keeps you relevant and strategic is probably the ability to listen to your customers very well and translate all of that information into your roadmap. Yeah. How do you how do you do that? Yeah, that's an interesting balance because every one of our customers um, believes that they know the solution to the problem they're dealing with and would like us just to build that solution for them. And it's it's even a little extra complicated when your customer is a technical buyer, when your customers are developers and are operations people, the reality is they are super smart and they do have fantastic ideas. Um, the hard part from a product perspective, of course, is to make sure that we provide a product that works you know, for everyone and helps enable their processes, not one specific process. And that is you know, a little bit of art and a little bit of science and a whole lot of experimentation, I think. We've really adopted from a, a mentality perspective that we really do think that failing fast is important. And that goes towards product development as well. Not, not failing fast in production, not that kind of a failure, but certainly failing fast, like putting ideas in front of customers quickly, getting them minimum viable products, um, getting them to play with them, give us feedback in a non-productive sense as much as we can, um, and then continue to educate folks and share best practices across teams because we, 
we, we really are fortunate that we're able to peek into some of the largest companies in the world and see how they are dealing with transitions from either traditional ways of running their business um, into uh, you know traditional ways of building product and running this, the product itself, as well as um, transitioning from you know perhaps a little bit more bricks and mortar towards you know this digital transformation change that has happened very very quickly for everybody. Yeah, and I think even especially now in the midst of this pandemic, I think uh, being a digital organization, tech forward organization, yeah. I think has meant has made all the difference in the world. For sure. For sure. And, you know, I think um, it's pretty clear that people had to accelerate plans. You know, I, I talk about this with our employees that about two years ago at X Matters, we decided that we thought the economy was getting pretty hot from, a, you know, how hot it was running. And so we started driving towards profitability and delivered profitable results for the last two years. And people are like, wow, how did you know a pandemic was coming? I'm like, wow, I was lucky. <laughs> Let's be clear. I did not know a pandemic was coming. Um, how, but you look at what's happening with these companies where they've had to shift so fast into a digital stance and accelerate their plans to do it. And without all of the years and years of infrastructure around cloud services and containerizing their services and the way that they're building and deploying software, it just wasn't possible. That could not have totally. happened. But I am seeing lots of stress with customers today. You know, it's it's like, hey, we we did the last year's worth of work in three months, and you know, we had to make some sacrifices in order to make that a reality. And now we need to go back and figure out, like, what do we need to shore up, um, you know, to make sure that those services continue? Because you know, customers today, when I talk about customers, I mean like consumers, they expect you know a fantastic digital experience with great features delivered on time all the time. But it also has to, that's exceeding my expectations. You don't have to meet them. Like it needs to be, you know, performant and yeah. without an interruption or I'm going somewhere else. And, yeah. um, you know, so that balance is really tough. And we're certainly seeing that stress in lots of our customers today. I blame all the consumer apps, all the B2C applications to setting the standard with, you know, yeah. customer expectations about how B2B applications should function, right? <laughs> they really right. set the bar. Yeah, that's right. I blame TikTok because I think everyone's blaming TikTok these days. I don't know why, but <laughs> when I see my kids going around the house doing robo dances for no reason, I'm like, oh yeah, TikTok yeah. is evil. I gotta, yeah. gotta stop. No, but, but even no, before it, that, like Google, yeah. Facebook, I mean Amazon, like those systems don't for go sure. down. Like they just, and they're beautiful and they're easy to use. So now they expect yeah. like you know Kellogg to deliver those kind of experiences to their that's customers right. and, and everyone else, right? We're even seeing employees expecting that from yeah. their internal services from companies, right? That's and right. that's a totally different level of investment that you can apply, you know, in order to provide that experience. But but ultimately, it's it's the correct expectation. Like that's where we should be striving for. Um, but like I said, you know, those those are our customers, and I can see the stress on their faces when they're trying to figure out how to keep getting those builds out on time. Um, and so that's kind of where that really does influence where we build product. Um, we have moved away from trying to be an alerting application to bring people's attention to problems. And instead, we've moved completely towards instant response automation and management because we know that, you know, no matter how great your dev team is or your ops team is, problems happen. You know, it is, it's mm -hmm. a world where things go wrong. And if we can instrument that process to bring people together to solve problems quicker or help them manage them through to conclusion faster, we know that that customer experience is going to be better. 
And so that's really where we spend our time today is talking to our customers about, look, it, it's one thing to talk about how you do it, but we can't lose sight of the outcome. The important outcome is that customer experience and keeping them you know, sticky with your application. That's and right. so we know that there's two components. There's building new stuff and keeping the existing stuff up and performant. And so that's what we do. We try to remove all of your friction points in your continuous build cycles through incident response and, and through incident management to make sure people can do that at scale, which is a, a whole other problem. So you talk about sort of developer on call as part of the process, right? Yeah. And I think it is a huge leap to go from just sort of alerting to response. Like it's yes. not an easy shift. So how, do, how does it actually work? Let's talk about the product a little more in depth because I'm totally fascinated by, by that capability and how you can sort of bring that to customers at scale. Yeah, so the, without um, some underlying changes in methodology, it doesn't actually work, right? So generally, hopefully our customers have moved to some sort of agile or Kanban way of building product. Um, they've changed their infrastructure towards continuous integration and deployment. Um, they're starting to use cross-functional teams around their microservices. So they've subscribed to DevOps or some sort of site reliability engineering type of practice. Um, as long as they're heading down these progressive paths, then we add a lot more value than we do in a traditional sense, because every step along the path of build, you know, development to build to QA, to all of the testing you want to do before it impacts the production customer, to deployments, et cetera, enable people to do it in smaller pieces, get it out faster, like we expect, but with more changes, there are more opportunities for errors right. to get into the production cycle, right? And so what we've done is we've built an orchestration layer at the core of our product that allows people to very easily build processes that can inform you of something going wrong in any cycle, anywhere in your continuous software cycle. And the idea is we wanna deal with the issues early, um, when it gets into production, it's very expensive to deal with it there. Um, and it's stressful and painful and developers yeah. really don't want to deal with that. Um, when we talk about developer on call, I think developers would prefer to deal with an on-call problem when they're the only ones that need to know about it. Um, that's much mm -hmm. better. And mm -hmm. so the idea is to shift as far left as you can with how you're instrumenting, looking for anomalies, issues that are happening in your cycle. Once something does happen, and it, it does still happen, of course, for everyone, then we want to make sure that we collect all of the information we can. So when you're bringing people together from an incident response perspective, it's not just alerting them. It's also gathering as much intelligence as you can with anything that's happened in the environment, producing that for everyone to see it, come to speed quickly, and then come into an incident process and run an instrumented process similar to what Google does. Google mm -hmm. uses the incident mm -hmm. command system, which is... 30 years old, but it's been revamped, right, for technology. And that's essentially what we're doing. We're taking you through and helping you uh, decide who has what role in the incident. I'm either a scribe or an incident commander. And I'm showing you everything that's happening, your Slack rooms, your Teams rooms. If you're using Google collaboration tools, it's all displayed for you in one spot. And we're going through then and taking all the actions we need to restore the service. We're logging everything. And then we're giving you suggestions with how to fix it in the future, wow. as well as a post-mortem. And so the idea is we're subscribing to this whole continuous uh, idea that you're going to continually get better and continue to uh, automate your processes. And so in order for that to happen, we have to continue to direct people toward you know, how to improve their cycles. Yeah, I mean, speaking of um, the mission-critical 
sort of capabilities you bring to market and big customers, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think you have an interesting story in terms of how you got to know GCP as a platform better. Mm-hmm. It was probably an unexpected pathway, but I'd love to for the audience to hear about how that, how that all went down. Yeah, for sure. So we actually started as an on-premise software company and we realized that that wasn't going to work for um, bringing the service to market that our customers really expected from us. We couldn't be as good of a partner if we were expecting them to install the database and everything else on their side. And so this is where my real brilliance came in. I thought, well, if our customers can install it, we can too. So we'll just set up a data center with a you know, bunch of machines in a rack and infrastructure as a service and off we run. And yeah, I don't think I had any gray hair when we started that process, but man, that was a big <laughs> mistake. And so that's when we realized that as we were looking at how many of our incidents actually impact our end customers, it was like 75% of them were infrastructure related. Mm. 75% of every time Huge. a customer was dissatisfied, it was coming from our inability to run our service. So, and it's not like we didn't have great people. We had great people running the service. They were killing themselves, you know, to do that. But it, well, it turns out running infrastructure at scale with like four nines SLA, it's very difficult to do. Who knew? <laughs> who knew? Like There's like three minutes. or four providers who can do it well. <laughs> right. I'm like four four minutes of downtime. What will I do all that time? Yeah. Yeah, so that's clearly our experience. You know, we started looking at the different um, cloud providers out there. So, of course, we looked at Microsoft, we looked at Amazon, we looked at Google. Um, Google stood out for several different reasons. Um, First off, you know, for what we were doing, it was more cost effective. Um, We ran lots of tests to make sure that that was the case. And Google does a great job of providing lots of visibility into how your system is consuming resources. And it's helped us actually, not only did they win the business, but it also has helped us to continue to get more efficient in our consumption of services. Mm-hmm. Um, from a technology perspective, the commitment to Kubernetes was impactful for us. We knew that Kubernetes was likely the, going to be the container solution of source of, yep. of record for us. And Google's commitment on that side was super helpful. Um, and yeah, you know, that absolutely. technology commitment has continued to serve us really well, not just Kubernetes, but lots of the production uh, things improvements. And, and my, my understanding helps. also is that you started seeing yeah. it at your customers. Um, Walmart, I think 2000 engineers at Walmart that's on your right. platform for yes, GCP. Right. Yeah, so we have uh, a number of customers obviously that have tens of thousands of people using the application, right? But in some of our customers that are just much more dependent on digital services because they are a dot-com and their business you know, relies on that, regardless of the bricks and mortar side of their business, it's the you know, immediacy need of this, these high impact um, dot-com type of customers where we see it. And what we found was you know, customers that had tens of thousands of engineers were getting slow response times. They were maintaining too many different uh, types of automation scripts that were creating problems for them. And so by moving over to GCP, we were able to give them a much higher service, better reporting, faster response times. We were able to get them features faster. I mean, it really is a very big difference for us as far as running our business goes. Was there an intermediary step? Were you from on-premise to another cloud than GCP? No, we, we thought we could do it ourselves. We, we set up an infrastructure as a service uh, stack ourselves and and just struggled trying to make that happen. Uh, we had been using Amazon for 
prototyping. So we probably were using uh, AWS for probably about four or five years before mm -hmm. we decided to make our cloud decision. Um, so I think we were really familiar with what there was from an offering perspective. Uh, and you know, we felt that it just wasn't going to meet where we wanted to go in the long term. And and you know the reality is now in retrospect we were we were correct. I think Google's been, you know, no slight intended for Amazon because I think they're an sure. awesome, you know, provider. Um, but for us, Google has been a partner, a business partner in making this successful, and that that's been different. Yeah, I I see that in more and more of our platform customers. We kind of broadly put you all in the category of digital natives or sort of ISVs, in which like the platform is your core business. Right. We have a unique category for those. And I think that for you know anyone who launched in the last couple of years or made their cloud decision in the last couple couple of years across the board, just in aggregate in the market in US and Canada, yeah. if the engineers got to make the choice, they have probably chosen GCP. And those because it's just like a better platform. Like it's more performant, cost for performance, just also on the top end of what like BigQuery and, and some of those platform services can do. And, you know, those who are digital natives and started in the cloud, you know, five, 10 years ago, they might've started in AWS because that's what was there. And then made you know, or, or, or started to make the transition now. So there's a consistent theme. And I think that's why this sort of category of customers is such a strong area of growth for us at SADA and for GCP is because it's literally the choice of engineers. And we see that kind of repeated back to us over and over again. Um, but the other part is I think each one of our customers finds some of the aspects of GCP to be uniquely advantageous or they're doing some really cool stuff on top of the platform. You mentioned Kubernetes already, which of course Google sort of wrote the paper on and open sourced, right? Yeah. Um, which is fantastic. But what, what else are you doing on the platform that you feel like is super unique to cool, cool stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, some of it probably isn't, you know, uh, unique to us specifically, but it's, it is a need that I think everyone has that's trying to provide a 4.9 service to their customer. Um, because people count on us when things go wrong in their environment. So we right. have to be here all the time, right? We really can't afford downtime. And so a few things that were really important for us, regional failover across um, the different sites at Google has been incredibly impactful for us. So we're able to fail over from any region to any region, full failover in less than, I think it's three and a half minutes now wow. for everything. And that used to be a lot longer. I don't even want to tell you how long it was. <laughs> it was longer, a lot. Uh, and so we run our practices all the time now, failing over, and we're just continuing to just tick away and making that more and more efficient. And we think that we're going to get it to sub-minute, which is fantastic wow. for the entire service. Unbelievable. Uh, but that's just not possible. And, and not as is it not you know, possible, it's not financially feasible to do any other way than with a cloud wow. provider. Um, we're building out, important for us and our customers is analytics. Um, because they're sending all of their incidents across our system and running the resolution processes, it's both my problem and my solution in one place. And that is really impactful over time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what we find is that teams within an organization have the same problem and maybe solved it differently or the same way, but didn't know that the other team had the problem. And so by bringing those analytics to life and encouraging them to automate them so they don't keep solving the same problems over and over is important. So we're building out a data lake using BigQuery. Yes. Um, and so that's been fantastic. Um, BigQuery, one of the one of the unsung heroes of the sure. GCP platform, right? Like yeah. kind of almost 
it's getting more and more traction now as far as air cover and awareness, but yeah, we almost feel like they don't talk about it enough. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's been, we did, again, we went out and tested other products and, you know, just because we were primarily GCP didn't mean we couldn't use other products for solving this problem. Right? Sure. So we looked at providers and, you know, it was both cost and benefit. We, they won on both, both sides. It was going to be cheaper and better um, with, yeah. and it's on our, on the same platform. So, yeah, and it's getting faster, and it's actually getting multi-cloud with Omni, um, BigQuery Omni, and it's just, uh, and we see that sort of trend-wise in our journey for most of our customers. I think they're starting off mm -hmm. with a lot of the infrastructure modernization, migration sort of work, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, and once that's sort of in place, the next big shift is just getting a handle on the data. Right, like processing the data, making it accessible, putting it in something like a data lake so they can then run analytics, gather insights, and also the next step would be like predicting the future, right? As much as right. possible as far that's as right. predictive analytics. Yeah, that's sort of the natural. Exactly right. That is the natural extension. Yeah. I mean, if you're a human trying to deal with an issue, um, it is more impactful for the system to encourage you and, and, and guide you on what things you should try. Uh, yeah. And so in order to have that, you have to have the analytics there in order to encourage that type of recommendation engine. So uh, when did we start engaging with you or how did that all go down where, where SADA came into the picture? Like our orientation towards GCP is like, we feel like we've made our bet on the best platform, the best cloud, yeah. all in. Uh, but our objective is to make it like, when you mix SADA in there, it makes it better. <laughs> Like that's the goal, right? So, um, yeah. what was what was your experience with our teams, and how did that all go down? It was that's a very interesting analogy. It was pretty much like you just described. You know, we headed down the path with GCP. We committed to them. We committed our spend. We were uh, well down the path of transitioning customers from our own hosted data centers into into GCP. We were live in several regions. Um, but it's one of those things where it got progressively more complicated. We needed more assistance. And you know, we've always gotten great support from Google, but we were starting to get into the edges of mm. you know, the questions we were asking. And we were looking for some you know, experience also, not just you know, this is the way to deal with that problem, but here are a couple of different alternatives and here are the pluses and minuses of them and let's work with you. So I would say you know, for the most part, it was, um, very importantly, it was expertise um, that was being added to the equation. Um, and, you know, I always like to think that the manufacturer has the best knowledge of their product. But the, sometimes what you find is that the manufacturer doesn't have as much real life experience and hasn't mm -hmm. suffered through different types of things. And, you know, with that suffering mm -hmm. comes experience. You break a muscle down so they can get stronger type of thing. And that's kind of what we were feeling um, and so at times we were like, we just need a little more help and a little more expertise. Yeah, definitely. Look, Google, obviously it's their job to keep the platform up, to respond yeah. to incidents, which are, you know, across the platform in various ways. Our job is to gain the experience across hundreds of customer environments and them right. attempting to do different things at the edge, often maybe breaking the platform, right? And, and sort of pushing it to its limits. But then uh, beyond that kind of guidance, I think our job is to, like, we want to know the X matters environment with such intimacy that it's not, it's not something Google can ever know. Like, they'll that's never right. get that close, right? And it's not their job. And I think that's precisely, I think, you know, part of the value proposition. 
Um, and again, I just love how in this business, much like yours, we're so much in the same boat. Like the more successful X Matters is, the more revenue it drives to Google and to Sada, the more value you see in our work. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's any kind of model that promotes customers for life is, I think, a, a wonderful one because I think it's just yeah. incentive is built in. Yeah, I agree. I think that's part of the experience that's been a little different and a little unexpected, frankly, with both Google and Sana, that um, there was a real understanding that making us successful makes everybody successful. Um, on the Google side, you know, we were invited in to meet with SRE teams to look at their best practices, which so is cool. fantastic because yeah. that is influencing our product direction so that we can bring that to other enterprises. Um, they were influential in letting us join the marketplace. And so you can buy our product now with yeah. Google Cloud product in the marketplace, which is awesome. Um, but what you said is exactly right, that without um, our partners really getting in to understand our business and what we were trying to accomplish, then the questions we were asking felt out of context, especially if we were rotating yeah. to different totally. people within Google, right? And I think the investment that Sada made coming in the door to really understand what we were trying to accomplish and learn it so that we're having a continuing conversation, not a new conversation every time we that's want to right, talk. That's right. You know, it has really helped us progress faster. And for us, you know, this is, you know, we want to provide new services to our customers. We don't really care if it's Xerxes or if it's BigQuery or what app. We don't care what the technology is. We just know our customer right. has a problem and we want to solve it. That's and right. I think Sada has been a great partner in helping us to identify the right way to solve those problems. I appreciate that. We are very much in the same boat and you know we continue to add to our scale and our teams like the technical account management strategy is very very important to us yeah. and uh we're it's an area we're going to continue to invest because i think that's the only way to really accentuate um our relationship get deeper and more strategic with with more and more customers um you know it's it's in, in our 14 years with google i think we've never felt like uh, we're at such an inflection point with the the market impact we're having. I mean, yeah, the, the work we did in the past with collaboration, et cetera, is still very important, still transforms the way people work. But I think this platform has truly the potential to transform um, many, many more industries and organizations to what their customers expect. And I think the current environment is absolutely accelerating that to your point and you know as you're as you're seeing it in market um so if you look at um the future then i know a lot of and i can just tell by speaking with you but um i think it also just your success and sort of tenure speaks for itself but as you look forward if you look at sort of your customer experience philosophy um what what are the areas that excite you the most and you think about the most over the next three to five years? Yeah, I think um, right now I'm sort of focusing my time and attention with my customers and talking about, you know, how do they look at how they run their business and what are the most important metrics that they use to tell them if they're succeeding or failing. And whenever I talk to a technical customer, you know, they want to go into SLOs and SLIs and SLAs yeah. and MTTRs. And, yeah. And I keep trying to to talk about that. That is, those are all irrelevant. They're early warning signs, but the reality is none of those matter. What your what matters is your your NPS, your Net Promoter Score. And yeah. usually, a technology person's like, "What the hell is that?" Well, you know, <laughs> it's really important to understand, right? You want to know if your customer loves you so much 
Right. They're willing to put their name on you and recommend them to somebody else. Because it's not just buying more or telling someone casually. It's that I would be willing to put my name on you publicly because the outcome yes. that you've delivered is so important to our business. And I think that if you have that outcome in mind, the rest of the things you're trying to architect and measure kind of fit in. So if you're using like, if you use OKRs, you realize that that's the important objective. The other things can be your key results, but that's the thing that ultimately matters. And that alignment should help govern your decisions on the choices you make on how you run your services. And so I think that that is, you know, number one, that's your North Star that you're going after. And then the other things we're doing are all really in light of helping our customers meet that to provide that great service to mm. their customers. Their customers. And yeah. so we're focused on things like machine learning and automation that are just going to help them make better decisions faster so they can spend their time building features and not spend their time solving incidents. Yes. Um, we want to take yes. all that stuff off of their plate as much as we can and let them be you know, their best selves, which is probably in creating something new for their customers. And so that's that's, that's the role we think we're going to be playing over the next few years. And I think we still have a lot to do uh, in order to make that a reality. And we're not the only ones in the market that think that that's the case. So, you know, it's a it's a hot competitive space. And that's great, you know, because it makes us all better. and gives our customers yeah. better solutions. Yeah, so our QBRs, probably much like yours, have evolved from very technical. Oh, here's the yeah. tickets that we open. Here's to like... What's the strategy? What are you doing this quarter, next quarter to make your company a better company? And how can, in our case, GCP or in your case, your platform kind of get, you know, drive to that end? And I and I cracked up when you said NPS because my COO makes fun of me for being completely obsessed with NPS because I'm like, like you believe it's yeah. the only metric that matters. Yeah. Seriously. Like we, we run an internal NPS for employees. We know what our employee NPS score is. We're running one in our incident sort of response team, and also very soon on the on the uh, product deliveries on the project delivery side with professional services too. So I'm going to mention to Dana that Troy said NPS is <laughs> he's as obsessed with NPS as I am. So I'm not alone. Yeah, yeah, you're not alone. And you know the other thing I track there are act. You know, it's not just. So NPS is, would you refer us? But we also track referrals, you know, actual referrals. Actual because, referral, yeah. You know, coming back to a survey and say, yeah, I love you guys so much. I feel kind of awkward in this survey. So I'll just say I would. It's like, yeah, that's great. But did you, you know, when was the last time you referred us to a yeah. friend? Because yeah. that actually tells me that you went to the effort. I There was an analogy I read somewhere, it was, you know, in a book. And I apologize to the author for not remembering who it was that wrote this. But it was talking about customer happiness and it was talking about the effect of an airport restaurant. So when mm. you're in an airport restaurant and you get served food, your expectations are extremely low. The, those expectations are met. The food's not good. When, the, when someone comes to your table and says, how was your meal? We all respond with the same answer. It's great. It's fine. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Because Whatever, we know yeah. that the response doesn't matter. You're not <laughs> going to fix it and I'm not coming back. So who cares, yeah, right? Yeah. And and that that is a really important way of looking at how customers view you. What you want to hear is, that was fantastic. And I'm telling a friend that if they ever fly through Denver International, they have to come to this restaurant because it's yeah. so good. And yeah. that's what I want to hear from customers. That's what my customers want to hear from their customers. And I think if we don't spend our time focused on that, then we're, we're really missing the ball. We're, yeah, we're sort Refer of, referrals you know, and reference yeah. calls. Like yes, they require time and effort. Yeah, but and they're also 
introduce reputation risk. Yeah. God forbid I refer somebody to anything that's not excellent, right? That puts my uh, reputation at risk. So I, I completely agree with you. I'm going to share this anecdote with with uh, with Dana, and I could tell, like, um, I mean, just culturally, I think very aligned. Um, I could see why the universe kind of brought us together. Troy, I really appreciate bringing your trusted advisor and your guide to your journey with Google Cloud and really having the opportunity to feel like your your business partner. And uh, I really appreciate the time that you took to, you know, make this podcast and and inspire and educate the rest of the market on on GCP. Well, I appreciate that, Tony, and we appreciate you as a business partner. I think if uh, that wasn't the case, I wouldn't be giving you a referral right now. So your NPS score is high with me. So thank you for all of the help. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for being my guest. Absolutely. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.